0: Alright,
1: we will start. You guys ready? We are ready. This is our Monday night study. And uh, we're going to put on the new man tonight.
0: Okay. Oh, yay. We're
1: going to practically do that. On Penny's birthday, <laughs> to celebrate your birthday, we're going to put things into practice. But to have practice, we have to have doctrine. And the purpose of all doctrine leads us to a life that has to be consistent with what we have as far as truth is concerned. And would you say that knowledge is absolutely essential to Christians? It is, isn't it? And we can do nothing without it. We must have that. Everything is based upon that. But if we stop there, just as it is, it could be horrendous if we just, just stopped with knowledge and said, okay, that's it. It would be worse than being ignorant. If we did that. Uh, oh, yes. Yes. So we better put that to use, right? Uh, a real understanding of truth is always going to lead to application. And Paul definitely puts that into play, in especially the last three chapters of Ephesians. And if you're gripped by truth, and everybody here loves God's truth, And we see that it is very important, but we also have to see that it implies that uh, there's a necessity of application. So every part of our lives, every part, everything that we do in our lives, we want to be consistent with what we know is truth or what we believe. What we believe, we want to be able then to uh, put that into uh, our lives. Christianity really varies vastly from all the other religions of the world because of this kind of application. All the other religions have the do's and the don'ts, the legalisms, do this, don't do that, morality, ethics. We believe in morality. We believe in ethics as Christians. The Greek pagan philosophies believed in those, and we know there is a tremendous difference between Christianity and, and the Greek philosophy. Uh, what separates us, is, of course, everything is in the person of Christ. If we practice morality, it is because of Christ, not because of our own um, ability to do. We, uh, we would take all the credit if that would be the case, if we can do that. And it's been said that morality really is only skin deep, it doesn't go very far. It it's is a good our thing. Trying to take the credit for being good. Yeah. Yeah. It's an attempt, right? But what happens is that um, morality can whitewash or have an appearance of that, but it doesn't go any deeper. And if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, you find out that when Christ delivered the message... And of course, he's delivering about who he is, really. And uh, then he also shows here's what Christianity really is. Here's what kingdom teaching is. And it goes much further than just the skin depth, it goes all the way to the very depth and the bottom of what the truth really is. And um, Christianity um, shows, for, well, for instance, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. We see that we have such a deep need that we really have nothing to offer God. We are bankrupt. And then we see that if we have Christ, though, then here's what happens. And so he goes through uh, a whole message dealing with what happens on as far as the inward person is. And he defines what sin really is. So Christianity is much different than all those uh, religions and Eastern thoughts and philosophies. Uh, we have a power to actually do those things that they also want to do in their virtues and such. They may do it outwardly, but inwardly, are they are they really changed? There, well, they're not. They're not changed creatures if they don't have Christ. New creatures will act like new creatures. Sad to say, sometimes we'll act like the old creature, but we're made new. We've already seen that in uh, in our studies and. Uh, we are to um, subdue the unredeemed flesh. Uh, we have a battle with the flesh, and we are to conquer it and and to uh, master it um, with the, all the uh, available ability we have, and that's the Holy Spirit, the very power of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. So you have God's sovereignty on one hand that has is doing that as He's working in you. And then you have man's responsibility or man's will who comes into play now as being a Christian, this new creature, and they're working together. So it's now a synergistic action that happens, if we can say that, in that we're working with God. We know it's all Him that's doing it, but yet we are, um, with Him working in it, we are desiring to have our lives changed too as we renew our mind. And that's what Ephesians 4.23 was dealing with, uh, being renewed in the spirit of your mind and having the Word of God take effect. You read it, you understand it, uh, you put it into, into practice. And so there's a synergism there. You can't have synergism before that, though. It's a monergistic thing whenever we have that need of salvation. Monergism is... Mono one, right? It's it's all God. He's the one who saves us. But once that action has happened, now we are in conjunction and are working with God. But we couldn't do that before because we were against Him, weren't we? So, anyway, that uh, will lead us up to uh, verse 25, uh, kind of where we have been, and uh, we'll move into uh, laying aside that old man, and he'll start bringing out some of those sins and then putting on this new creature, always the negative and then the positive to come up with. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for being amongst us. We thank you for your word as we gather around and we desire to know you and to know the very power of who you are and how you work in our lives and shedding off constantly, always reforming, always reforming to the person of Christ. And we have to rely upon the very power that you have, the Holy Spirit, for that to happen. Thank you. And we give you all the glory. Thank you for the ones who come out and um, make it an enjoyable time that we can... uh, not only think about worshiping you, but also fellowshipping with each other as we uh, grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord. In your Son's name, Amen. Amen. Well, verse 25 through 32 is a whole section that just kind of plows together there. Forms a good little compact unit. And what we're going to look at are, I think, five different elements there that we'll see. uh, Lying being angry, stealing, corrupt words coming out of our mouths and uh, all the other uh, things that happen in our walk uh, that shouldn't be happening anymore, things that did happen that that aren't. What, What we will see is the pattern throughout this whole section. You'll see the negative, like put away lying, don't lie. But always... On the other hand, he'll come back and say, but do this. He fills it up with a positive. He just doesn't say, stop it, and that's it. He says, stop it, and then speak truth with your neighbor. Don't lie, speak truth. So you fill that up. So there's not a hole that's left there. There's always the um, hole being filled. And that's the way that Paul approaches this. Uh, the word for, uh, the negative word here would be don't lie, and I probably put it on your sheets there, but pseudos is the word for lying, put away lying, put away means, so we were looking at that last week, uh, <clears throat> that was kind of the, the topic last week, putting away is like stripping off, right, stripping it right off, strip away "sudos" and I've got a feeling right away you can say, huh, that word looks kind of interesting. We have pseudo. And what does pseudo mean? Sorta of like. Fake. <laughs> yeah, fake. Sorta of like, but not really like. Fake. Not genuine, right? And there is uh, why we get our English word. Or you've heard of pseudoscience? Yeah. Pseudonym. What is a pseudonym? Antonym but it's different than an antonym or a synonym. A synonym would be the same as. A pseudonym would be something that would not be the same thing, although it's it looks like it's the same thing as that word, right? A can, can you give me an example?
0: Like, huh? A pseudonym
1: is like a pen name. Oh, okay. Like
0: Mark, Mark Twain.
1: Yeah, okay. And that really wasn't his name, was it? Yeah, Samuel Clemens was his real name. But, yeah, okay, that's a good example right there. He was lying. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay. Um, Let's go back into Proverbs just for a moment, and this will be easy to do. Because there are a lot of verses, there are a lot of verses dealing with lying. In the Proverbs. One chapter after another. So we can just turn a few pages and go to the next section and then the next one. Proverbs six, sixteen, and 17. Now this is a famous one. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look. What's the next one? A lying tongue. That's one of the seven abominations, right? Well, you... That's in Proverbs six, sixteen and seventeen. This is what the Lord hates. That's a pretty serious thing. A lying tongue. Now go to chapter twelve, stay in Proverbs twelve twenty two. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Then he's got the other side. But those who deal truthfully are his delight. That's kind of how Paul deals with uh, our section of the night here. You have the negative, but there's your positive. Uh, An abomination. I think that is quite considerably uh, a warning, isn't it? An abomination. We see that. Okay, 12, verse 19. Back up. The truthful lips shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. It's not going to last forever. and uh, Of course, there will be judgment upon that. Chapter 20, verse 17. I'm not so sure if I put these on your sheets. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but after it his mouth will be filled with gravel. Bread gained by deceit or lying. Deceiving somebody is uh, is lying. Uh, chapter 21, verse 6. Getting treasures by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. Getting treasures by a lying tongue. Getting uh getting things and uh getting them by lying. And so we have to we have, we look in Proverbs, we see something very practical there. Evidently there are a lot of people who lie, so there are a lot of warnings in the Bible about lying and if we were to um remember what Jesus said that the father of lies is who you're of the father the are de- the devil is your father and he is also the father of lies he's not of the truth uh then we go back to Genesis and we go to Genesis 3 and this is where the temptation is at right in verse 1 this is this is where you see lie beginning as far as mankind is concerned now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made and he said to the woman has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden and he creates the doubt or the deception is there there's your lie to the woman and we have a problem right here Uh, the, the lying is coming right there from the father of lies the devil is a liar, and because of that sin, the nature of man caused him to be unregenerate. Now he has not the life of God in him, and as far as his nature or his characteristic, is that because of that very first sin and that result of a lie, that's the character of man now too. His nature is lies. He's of the fa- uh, his father, the devil uh... his being uh... he will lie satan will lie about the being of god and uh... mankind is apt to do that too as they will try to keep people from the truths of god so why would people lie probably a lot of motives uh, maybe to get gain that we saw out of proverbs maybe there's a fear there of losing some kind of personal esteem so we have to kind of cover over ourselves Um Maybe we could physically get hurt, you know. Maybe that that could happen. I don't know. A lot of different things. But deception comes in when we tell a lie. Then what do we have to wind up doing later on? Probably telling another lie to cover the other lie, and then you tell another lie to cover that up. And boy, you really have a big chain going on here. This is a terrible sin, and it's probably uh, maybe the most common sin. Sometimes we lie to ourselves, or we're, we're making up something in our mind as an excuse for something that we we don't even really have to. I've heard of some people lie, and they didn't really even have to lie. There was no need to lie. They just lied because that was just what they did. I, I, I've known uh, some people that do that. I was like, well, Why are you Why are you doing that? You don't have to do that. You're not covering anything. Like, we hate it. Do we hate it when we lie? We know sometimes we just lie to ourselves. Maybe we don't lie to a person and then we realize what we've just done though, what we were thinking. We're guilty of it. We hate it. We despise it. But yet we know we're guilty of lying. It hits us right here. The nature. The nature. Or you could say that old, what? The flesh? Um, Putting off that old man or that flesh that we battle with and we realize the depth of sin. And we see it in the New Testament. In the church, right off the bat, you have Ananias and Sapphira. And what are they doing? They're lying to the Holy Spirit. And you see the future of liars, if they keep that nature. What is the future? I'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. We come all the way from that first lie all the way to the very future of one who has this characteristic. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. That's interesting right there that we like to. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now there... Uh, it starts off with don't be deceived, right? Do not be deceived. Don't be lied to. And then he mentions a lot of these sins right here. Um, When we go to Revelation, uh, all the way back to chapter 21, he has a list, again, of some sins. And check what's in here this time. But the cowardly the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, a lot of those same words that came right out of Corinthians. And what's the next one? And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So we see that liars is putting in with the same company as murderers and, and the sorcerers and idolaters. But, uh, that's really a, that's just a characteristic like all the other ones are, and that's the nature that we once had. Uh, lying can consist of cheating, cheating on tests, uh, cheating uh, income tax, uh, making excuses can could be lying, exaggerating, telling telling a story, uh, and because it's not quite. Enough to get enough tension, we have to add a little bit more color to it, a little more variety to it that really has no truth to what, whatsoever and all of a sudden this thing has grown and boy wow that's that's really something and um so therefore we've just lied when we when we uh do flattery, we've just lied there uh, sometimes without even saying a word, just by the looks that we can have can lie We don't even have to use our mouths. Oh, the nature! Um, yes.
0: yes. Are there not situations in the Bible where lying is even justified when uh, it's in behalf of, for the good of someone else, like the Sometimes. like the midwives and like Rahab?
1: Those are good examples. Yeah, um, yeah because um, and those are two of the best ones there. Yeah. Um, we we know it never it it never says that they're commended for that, but then at the at the same time, in a, in another sense, they kind of are because they are grouped with uh, having faith, and in that sense, we're talking about life and death, and I take it as a justification for that. And some well, people will vary so for that, but you
0: know we're told that you know that we are to obey all the laws of our. Uh, of the authorities over us unless it disagrees with God's law. Right. Well, God's law certainly was not to kill all the Hebrew children. That would not fulfill God's law. And so the midwives were justified although
1: holding back some truth.
0: Right. but But that was they were not holding back the truth from God. I think that's you know, we get caught up thinking about what we're doing here, and and God knows when God knows the truth. You know, if you're
1: lying, and, and when we lie to each other, of course, of trying to, you know, we think we're lying to God too. That hurts the body, then, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah on on the um, on those, I, I know I ran across um, that I was going through this. I thought, boy, that. That'd be a, just a topic in itself to go through that because I know any time you have any kind of discussion on that, boy, you can get some pretty good heated ones on that.
2: I but if uh,
0: ever in that position, yeah, that serious that position. Oh, I don't know. You look at uh, what's his name, the, uh, Brother Andrew, years ago. He lied, straight up lied to those people.
1: As he took the word <laughs> of God into—those took...
0: Bibles, right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, over you know, like, there are lots of examples where we're called to a higher standard, it's God's law, not uh, not this you
1: It's definitely a fine line. It's it's uh, would definitely be something that would be for uh, a righteous. Um, way but it's it's really tricky it's and is it's very hard, very difficult, but
0: yeah,
1: mm-hmm. but um yeah you have a whole the, the Rahab, you know that's i mean that's quite quite the story, and people really have difficulty with that, but um, I see what God's plan was working through that had she not lied, what would have happened well, God's plan's still gonna work and Then we had that question come up, but. Yeah, that's what
0: you're like. Well, but that was almost like God couldn't do it unless she did that, too. So it's kind of what we're. Because you
1: don't know that, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she was definitely putting her trust in the God of these Israelites. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I cannot uh, condemn her. And uh, what was the other one? The. uh, uh, yeah, the midwives.
2: Yeah. Corey Ten Boom and her family. Yeah. Is,
1: mm-hmm.
0: With the fighting with Jews.
1: That's right. I mean, look
0: at all. I mean, there were some people room. that were doing some serious lying tackling.
2: Well, and Abraham said that Sarah was his sister. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he, 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 yeah, he,
1: yeah. 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 <laughs> he was thinking <laughs> yeah, himself. I I
0: think I I <laughs> yeah. He oh. <yeah>, <laughs> was yeah. just a big chicken. <laughs>
1: well let's look at the positive then he says don't lie now he comes back on the other side and he says here's what you do tell the truth and so he bases this out of uh, actually Zechariah Zechariah 8.16 I hope I have this
0: right
1: have you already looked it up I'm okay good these are the things you shall do speak each man the truth to his neighbor Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. Boy, those are good terms, aren't they? Truth and justice and peace. Oh, those are important. But speak each man the truth to his neighbor. And so Paul takes that, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. In verse 25. Um, The word here is alaleus. It's not related to any English word that I know of. But I have to think of what is truth? Well, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. He is truth. Not just a term here, he is Christ. Truth is him. And then in John seventeen seventeen, as Jesus says that great prayer, he says, thy word is truth. Truth, his word, Jesus Christ. There is great substance in what we know as Truth. Look in, well, you don't have to, Titus 1, 2. It says, God cannot lie. It's impossible to lie. So if that be the case, that means all he ever does is truth. He has never even come close to lying or saying something that was a half-truth, if there's such a thing. And you know what? Another thing that uh, he does here, Paul not only does the negative, and then he does the positive. You know what else he does? He gives you the reason why. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And there's where, you know, it starts in the body of Christ. Of course, it's going to go everywhere where you speak truth, but in the body of Christ, he says, we're members. Why would we want to deceive each other? And so he puts um, that reason. I think that's good, a uh, good thing to do. If you're trying to tell somebody that they're not supposed to be doing something, then the next best thing, to, uh, the best thing to do after that is to show them what they should be doing instead, and then give them a reason why. A lot of people say stop it and that's it well, why? why you know they think they're doing okay and they never get a reason for why and they don't even get uh, something to plant in doing what they were doing wrong to replace that to substitute well, for I
0: it. do this all the time in counseling if, if you just know what you don't want to do that's probably what you're going to do you can't say I don't want to do that does uh, I don't want to steal or drink or smoke or whatever. You have to have something to do. So if you're even in, when you're working with people that are trying to not, maybe they're trying to quit smoking or or quit doing some of these things. It's not enough to want to quit doing that. You have to figure out what are you going to do, because like you're saying, there's a hole there. If you just say, "Don't do
1: that," what's going to be their what? inclination to do, even if they say they don't exactly. want to do it exactly
0: exactly i don't wonder-
1: I wonder you know and that's that's even taught in psychology, right? They're using a biblical principle there, Bill, you got to hear some of what or maybe you didn't i don't know, I know you led music uh like at recovery did did they use that too? Did they use that same kind of principle?
2: No, I never really. Heard a lot of the teaching, you right? Know? I mean, I don't, know if you, I don't think it's part of the twelve-step program, but
1: but I mean, would, wouldn't they offer something like that? Here, here's something. Okay, I know you have you have this problem with whatever this is. It could yeah. be anything. Yeah,
2: I, I think that where it gets instituted, and I and, and I keep coming back to this. I've been coming back to this ever since. You know, just through my searching in the scriptures for the last few months, and that is, it, 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 it all comes back to community. It comes back to loving one another, and the replacement that, that she's talking about, I think, has to be fellowship with another person um, or other persons, you know, that keep you from that. I mean, that's why there is, an, you know, in this town or Columbia or wherever, wherever you go, there is an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting every night. And chances are there's an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting in most larger towns every day at noon. And in a lot of places, there is an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting at 6.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. So you can always be in a a meeting until you get to that point where you don't, you know, and that's why they have sponsors and that's why you get with somebody so that you can learn from someone else to replace whatever it is that, you know... Well, that see, and, she's and that's doing. the
0: problem. Yeah. With most of the treatment programs that are available, they don't fill that void. They, they don't get you to... You have to think. You have to say to yourself, if I'm not going to do this, what am I going to do? Hmm. Because you can't just say, I'm not going to lie. If I'm not going to lie... It which is what I don't
1: <laughs> <just told> <laughs>
0: What am I going
1: to do? Because that is our nature. Our nature is to lie. And people say, oh, no, I don't lie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah our nature. Our nature. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> our nature go. is to do so
0: sinful things. We gravitate <laughs> toward, toward destructive things. That's what our human nature does.
1: You know what? If that. Right there, could be taught. Wouldn't it be amazed how Wouldn't much change crazy? could happen if they could grab of the... Little...
0: Even the AAH program, <laughs> they, they, they have meetings after meetings after meetings because they don't make people think.
1: They get it up what so far, right?
0: What are you going to do? Not what are you not going to do. What are you going to do? <laughs> and if you don't have a plan, then you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it.
2: Well, well we just, But the, the other part is, in, in addition to that, is is what some people view, and this is one of the things that Donald Miller wrote about in his second book, it may have been his third book, who knows, but Searching for God Knows What, you know, a lot of people view the Bible as a self-help book, right. that if I can just read this Bible uh-huh. and I can do everything that, that this Bible tells me right. to do, then I'll be just fine, but it, it doesn't work as a self-help book.
1: Uh-huh.
2: It's, it's about the relationships. It's about the vertical relationship and the horizontal relationship.
1: Well, isn't that what so we have? So many
2: people... So many people do get to the vertical relationship, but they really don't get to the horizontal relationship. The person that runs out of church as soon as the service is over, they're yeah. not interested in horizontal relationships. And their vertical relationship may not be that well, may be that good.
1: That so makes it continue it, on. It's, and, what have I told
2: you people to do? Love one another. <laughs>
1: Well, you right know, at the end of verse 25 here. Isn't this a great reason? I read it. I'm sorry. For we, Well, no. No, you didn't. We're, that's right where we're at. For we are members of one another. Yeah. You want to know how to stop lying? Well, start speaking truth. How do you speak truth? Well, first of all, you, you learn this is truth. It's all Christ. He is the truth. And now, if I'm around other people who are speaking truth, and they don't go around telling lies, and they support me, and all of a sudden, I'm going to be held accountable for what I say. And if I'm saying untruths, and they catch me on this, this is going to really look bad. Not that we want to look bad or try to look good in a veneer, but we want it to hit that deep inner man and that's where but it does come into play the church is so important and Paul has already established that hasn't he here in chapter well 3 and 4 oh it's so key uh, and nobody can do that as a Lone Ranger thing yeah so I, that was neat how Paul said that for we are members of one another uh, let's go on to the second one here laying aside sinful anger and having a righteous anger so here's the
2: negative let's start talking about oh. it oh yeah, well, you know what? He starts off with a positive this I've time. Deleted that from my online Bible. You don't
1: don't like that verse? <laughs> be angry. Now that's interesting. Be angry. He doesn't say do not be angry. So he starts off with a positive, but we're going to start off with a negative I first. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I that's my it. nature, I man. This it. is my thing. <laughs> this is my old man. Here. <laughs> Be angry and do not sin. That's the problem, though. Do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your on your wrath. Just in case you are being angry in a righteous way, don't let the sun go. Down. Don't give place to the devil. There's the case there. Okay, um, let's go to Psalm four four. We were in Proverbs earlier. Let's way back four 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 four. Guess what? This looks familiar. Be angry. Do not sin. It wasn't just Paul who said that. Psalm writer says that. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Sila, start jamming. Get your guitar out. Okay. The negative here, and what we're going to do is like reverse back here. This says be angry. We'll come back to that, but uh, we know we're not supposed to be angry. And the word is um, par orgismos. And this word is dealing with irritation or it's dealing with some kind of being embittered at something, an exasperation. And it's not something that just happens all at once. It's not an outward rage in a momentary way, but it's something that has been put in place for quite some time. It's deep-seated. Having a settled conviction about it. I mean, when, when... It's not just going off, flying off the handle in a a moment. This is kind of an anger that just is there, you know, and embittered. Uh, And if you look in chapter six, verse four, this word is used again, and it's entirely forbidden. Ephesians six four, and you fathers, and and use the word provoke here, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. To wrath, do not provoke your children to wrath. And that's using that same kind of language there. Um, People have often done this. Well, I know I get angry, but it was because I was born that way. Well, yeah, that's probably true. You were born that way. Well, the only problem is, is that if you're a Christian now, you have not that excuse anymore. You've been born again. You can't use that anymore. But have you heard people do that? Hey, that's just the way he is. That's the way he's wired. He has an anger in him. You know, he's just, just, that's just him. That is not going to fly. We are forbidden to be provoked, to be bad-tempered, to be irritable. Yes, to even be irritable, we are forbidden oh, to do now that.
2: way. Where are you finding that?
1: I'm taking that word <laughs> and building off of it. <laughs> oh, we're getting to the heart of it here now. All right. <laughs> um... Are you easily put out on things or by things? A little bit on the edge sometimes? How about a little testy? Sinful. It's sinful. <laughs> testy. You're not testy, <laughs> are you? What? Not me? Do
2: you want a Bible study to grow or get... You
1: <laughs> it tends you? to get a little smaller sometimes. Uh, yeah, I've wonder- always been wondering why that is. <laughs> you guys pick these books that are... Difficult. I would hope that it would
0: uh <laughs> I think you should expand a little more on the be angry. <laughs> so I think that, I think you got a hit
1: there. Uh, let's see. anger. Uh, we go back we gotta go back to the Sermon on the Mount first. Matthew five. Matthew five
0: is not gonna
1: This is not gonna do it either, is it?
0: Especially when you talk
1: about murder. <laughs> You've heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. You've heard that, haven't you? And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause, Hey, isn't that a band? Without a Shall be in danger of the judgment and then he says whoever says to his brother Raka, she'll be in danger of the council but whoever says you fool she'll be in danger of hellfire if you do something like that you can be brought to court but if you if you call somebody a fool or something where you're making the a judgment on the inner part of a person and that's that's your your nature uh you'll have something worse to be judged at and that's hell hellfire Yeah, it's getting at the point we murder somebody whenever we think ill things of them. Um, Jesus, whenever he said this Sermon on the Mount, I, uh, I don't know how many left after that, but if they really knew what he was talking about, either they would really follow him and become disciples or I'm sure later they would not uh, stand to listen to this. This had to be very hard. He made it simple to understand. He says, oh, you think of murder as somebody taking a knife out and stabbing them and killing them. But I'm telling you, if you've even thought something right here in the head about them, you have killed them. Now, he's getting to the heart of the matter, isn't he? He's getting really to the real grit of it all. Um, and that's why Paul comes along and says, "Be angry and do not sin." Uh, Jesus even said, Paul could have said, "That you're murdering people." Pretty, pretty serious. Um, it's, it's a, it's an anger that leads leads to murder, murder in our thoughts or can eventually do that. We, you know, there are a lot of murders going on, aren't there? Can lead to God's judgment. Well, let's get to the positive side then. Be angry. Now, there's the fulfillment of this. That's strange. We've just taken a a negative part. Now we come in and fill the hole with being angry. That sounds a little bit opposite. But uh, the word here is orgidzo. It's an anger, which is uh, kind of a settled habit of the mind, but it, it can be in a righteous passion also. It usually would be something that would be a negative term, but it can be a positive. And so if you have this settled, habit of of the mind and it's it's in the thoughts and it's aroused under certain conditions uh in this case he's talking obviously a righteous anger something let's say your god has just been attacked by somebody the word of god has been attacked somebody has done something that uh to somebody else and um uh, you, you get angry over things that are unrighteous, that are sinful. It, when sinful things are done, you're angry about it. There should be an anger about it. We should be angry whenever um, uh, what we've just had the anniversary of the Roe v. Wade again. We should be angry at what is going on in, in our country where literally millions have been killed. Uh, what a thing. We should be very angry, very upset, and we should be vocal about it when we have the opportunity to be, and to use that in a right way. Uh, there's thousands of different things we're angry about. and we? we should be. Uh, God puts that in there. Uh, righteous. Righteous anger. Um, go to Psalm 69.9. Turn to the Psalms and Proverbs tonight, haven't we? Well, These are real practical things that you are running into in Ephesians and so we run into that. When you go to the book of James, you'll see a lot of practicalities there and he quotes from the Proverbs a lot. And uh seems that Paul has borrowed some of his thoughts from the Old Testament. Sixty-nine nine. Because zeal for your house has eaten me up and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Who's this? Who's this about? Christ, isn't it? And there he had a righteous anger, a zeal for the temple, uh, for the house of the Lord, and what they were doing with it um, as he appeared in Jerusalem and appeared at the temple. And we know he got very angry and turned over the tables and um, all the pigeons and everything just started flying. Go to Mark chapter 3 verse 5. This is Jesus Himself who had an anger. But it wasn't a problem and it wasn't a sin. Here's where you get this, I think this, uh, a thought coming out here. Um, They're talking about the Sabbath here. And when He had looked around at them with anger, see they're asking, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? What's Jesus do? He looks around at them with anger, then he's grieved by the hardness of their hearts. Then he says to the man, looks at him, and says, "Stretch out your hand, he stretches out he's healed. Wow, that must have been quite a scene but but Jesus was very angry there uh, matthew twenty one twelve Jesus went in the temple of God, drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. There is an anger. But it was a good anger. It was a perfect anger. We walk with a knife edge because even righteous anger that we can have can turn into bitterness and resentment and rather than turning it toward the things of the Lord, we turn it into our own little thing and now that righteous anger is something that we are taking on rather than handing it back to the Lord. Anytime you get angry, you want to say, okay, God, you handle this. Here it is. I know how you feel about this. I hate it too. You deal with it. What you know, whatever you want me to do, I'm ready. But um, you know, make sure that uh, he is the one that's that's leading in it. So it can be very dangerous. That's why it can be a kind of a two-edged sword. And that's why Paul has to add that on: be angry and do not sin. That's not an easy thing to do. And if that happens, we also know that Satan can take advantage of that, and he can deceive us, can't he? In the moment. Any kind of sinful anger takes control. We know that the enemy, the devil, is there, and uh, he's loving it.
0: You know, caught, he yeah,
1: yeah, whatever that is. <laughs> Not fully caught? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I think nothing probably gives the devil an opportunity more than a loss of control in our anger. Boy, he can run with that, can't he? And all sorts of things can then start entering our mind, and we start thinking about things that aren't even true at all, and about what's going to happen. And you know it's just like we can tell the future now, you know, because we've got this anger. We just lose it. Lose control. Boy, that is not a good example of a Christian, is it? When we see that. What oh, do we do with anger? Well, here's what it says: Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let the sun get it. get it taken care of. Clear it at once. Get get it done with. Have it done with. It'll be done.
2: But we also have to look out for the ways that we say stuff, because even though we we may not be angry, sometimes the way we say stuff can be perceived by others that we are angry. And I you know, and I've heard sometimes the way um, parents talk to their children it sounds as if I mean like we see them at Walmart or whatever it sounds like they're angry Mm. but they're not really angry that's just the way that they talk to their kids but it sounds like they're angry you know that's the way they've always heard it and even Christians do it too because they're just they're just Mr. Grumpy Pants all the time
1: so in other words do not be grumpy
2: Mr. Grumpy Pants (laughs) 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 Grumpy Pants yeah Uh, newer translation. yeah it's it's the new hip hop translation
0: (laughs) The
1: updated yeah, The updated message. Message 2.0? Yeah. Be angry. Do not sin. Why? Because it'll give place to the devil. There's the reason why. But uh it also we want to bring uh you know God to glory out of it. Then we get into stealing. Let him who stole steal no longer. That's a characteristic of one who has not been changed. But rather, let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, why, what's the reason, that he may have something to give him who has need. The negative... Oh, I like this one. I have it on there. Stealing. We get our English word, kleptomaniac. From klepto, steal. What's a kleptomaniac? Is that a guy that steals and he just just takes things without not even thinking about it?
0: For no reason. Takes it. Takes it because it's there. It's there. Got it.
1: Yeah. I think in our First Corinthians six passage. It had a list of sins, and I I think this was in there uh, lying and liars will not inherit, or uh, uh, thieves. Thieves will not inherit the kingdom of God. What's the positive? Well, work so you have money to be able to share the things that other people need. So instead of stealing, I think sometimes people who are thieves actually work harder. Mm At trying to take something from somebody more than what it would be to just work a regular job. Oh, those guys sometimes are the most creative people in the world that come up with. They spend months coming up with these plans, and they risk their lives and what they're doing, and uh, it doesn't make a bit of sense, right? Um, But that's what we wanted to be able to take. That it is uh, better to give than to receive. I think that's in the Acts 20. But uh, Paul just says, hey, evidently in Ephesus, they probably had a lot of people who stole. And in our society, we have that. We hear about it all the time. You just turn on the news, local news, and you'll be hearing all of these, these different kind of things. But uh, anyway, you get the negative, you get the positive, you get the reason there. And uh, then you move on to, um, uh, what, the fourth one? Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification? Why? That it may impart grace to the hearers. So you get the negative, you get the positive, you get the reason why. What is uh, the word here? Is sapros, uh The corrupt word It means foul, rotten, stinking. Uh, corrupt is, is the idea there. Um, that that's the negative. No, don't let any stinking word come out of your mouth. Have you ever been around people who have one word come out after another, and it's just like an odor has come. It, it, it's really bad. It's foul. You can't stand to be around it. You hear another word, and it, it just does harm to your ears. You hate it, and it's just as bad as just a, a terrible odor. Yeah. Boom. Shocking. Shocking. Code of Colossians 3 8. But that's their nature. I mean, some people are worse than others. There are some unbelievers that never use corrupt words. But still, still part of the nature. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Filthy, trashy language, garbage language. I guess you can reword that. Um, a lot of other passages we go to. Different ways of worded, colorful words of putting out that are not corrupt words, but that he uses uh, to show how um, uh, language is corrupt. It's filthy, trash, garbage. What's the positive? What's the positive in our Ephesians 4? Speak something that's good. To edify to build up. So when we speak, the real reason that we should speak is to edify. I mean, just casual conversation—even that can be edifying as you move along. As you, you know, anything that you want. If you're with an unbeliever, you start off with just a casual conversation, just wanting to, you know, be able to communicate. Open that communication line up. And if you, your whole point, though, your motive is to get to who you really are about, and that's Christ. If you can get to that point, great. If, they, if they'll let you open up and get into that situation. That's really where I want to gear all of my conversations, ultimately. It doesn't always happen. Matter of fact, it doesn't usually happen. You'd like it to, and when you walk away, you go, Oh, I wish I could have gotten that a little bit better. yeah.
0: sometimes a a chord with them. Yeah, I'm saying? A conversation yeah. or something that maybe later you can build upon listening right you're looking you're
1: trying to look for something where you can get a little bit deeper with them and if they're if they're a if they're a friend somebody you've known for a long time uh, you get to work with that over a period of time and that's that's good sometimes it'll be somebody you may not ever meet again and so you really want to kind of work that in there quick as you can but um, you know we want want to have something that really um, brings out what what real truth is and that's edifying and Uh, I I really like what he has to say at the end there the the reason why that it may impart grace to the hearers. That is really why we want to do what we do. We want to give them grace. Gracious words. Gracious words. Uh, The kind of words that they use I was looking at Piper to see what he had to say about this. He had a few lists here. What, What kind of corrupt words are there? Well, they're some corrupt words that people say that take the Lord's name in vain and they'll say God oh my God you hear that on TV all the time and and every time my ears go wow you know and then you'll hear other things that are even worse you know or God Almighty I think there was even a movie called that one time God Almighty Um, Christ they'll use Christ's name in vain Jesus' name in vain and They'll do that when they're surprised. They'll do that when they're amazed. They'll do it when they're mad. It's funny. They'll use those words and they'll say they don't even believe in God. So it's like, what are they using those words for? Uh, but they have no honor for, for God's name. Um, another one is is trivializing. Taking um, hell and damnation. And they'll, you'll hear, go to hell. And do they even know what they're saying? And are always using the word to uh, damn, you know whatever that is, and they'll put that in. it's just taking, I think, something that's they're trivializing something that is so serious. Hell is a word, and it's in the Bible, and it's a really important term for people to understand what it really is. But they take that and make it something, and it's not. I don't know what it means. Vulgar references also, uh, whether it be to or whatever it is, you know and they, they don't have God in their mind whatsoever and uh, so they will have vulgar ways. Another way is a, just a mean spirited way. Uh, just saying shut up all of a sudden we've got an attitude that puts forth and that's a foul language too. doesn't sound good, does it? And like sometimes people can say something they're not really angry like like you were saying there Bill, but they could use that terminology. And they don't really mean that to the kids or somebody else, but whenever they say that, might even say it jokingly, but if somebody hears that the wrong way, it's going to put off the wrong message of what that is. And that's why I think Paul says that it may impart grace to the hearers. If we can't say something that will impart grace or say something that would be edifying or something along those lines, if it's questionable, why should we even say it, right? The, the mouth There's thing sometimes. is really something. stuff
0: happens up here, and it just comes out here.
1: Where did that come from?
0: I what, know where it came from. What did Jesus say? <laughs>
1: yeah. It comes from where? That out of the heart. The mouth speaks. Yeah. There's yeah, just, I know. You
0: know, I mean, what you're saying, it sounds so right, you know. We should all speak the good, wholesome words that edify and yeah. Huh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: here, here's the way we what how do we how do we replace that? How can we replace that? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. Shut up. <laughs> Shut, up. <laughs> Shut up. That's it. That's probably I have, it. I have to tell myself that all the time. <laughs> oh it is. It's, it's out
1: yeah. of it it's for
0: you. They'll
1: say, why did I say that? That, that,
0: oh. to be, that being angry, that, that is something that you do not control when it happens to you. It's, it is an emotion. But what has just ruled there? Then, but then but, but, that being angry is an emotion. <coughs> you didn't mean, you know, it's like, I'm going to be angry. Anger just appeared in your you know, your mind. Or
1: your yeah, you didn't want to. Because people go around saying, hey, I want to get angry. Now. I want to really get mad, you know. That's okay.
0: <laughs> the point. You can't stop that from... Not occurring now. but the next thing is then. So that's where you're going to have to recognize that that's occurring, and
1: that's to the control of it. Glad you said that. You know what? You know what? Paul's getting at here. Then this whole thing. He's already introduced this by putting off and putting on. You do that by renewing. Now he gets into the what? Where the rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm. The real nitty gritty stuff. And we know that. Uh, a lot of this stuff we continue to keep trying to put off. and But he, he says, okay, here's how you do it. You, you, you put on this. And, and probably, let's say if we had um, a corrupt words or things that maybe aren't so nice that comes out of our mouth or maybe we're say things that are not meant to be that way, but they do, maybe it's a little rough on the edges. Well, Paul's saying here, okay, think about it now. Before you say something... Is this going to edify? Is this going to help maybe even build our conversation up? You know, it may not be real, you know, like a real encouragement at that moment to say, okay, will this help our conversation? Will this help maybe eventually where I can edify this lost person or edify my brother here, right? And then say, okay, how can I do this? How can I give him grace? I guess it, it, it's putting off what, what is naturally the flesh to do, and now it's saying, okay, I'm going to ask myself a question. Okay, here's what I'd like to say out of my flesh. Here's what I used to say. Okay, here's what I need to do. I need to help this person out. Um, maybe I can help build them up a little bit. Yes, oh. your
0: anger to them is not going to be any good. That you're not going to get anything. You're not going to make them understand that you're angry or anything. That's yeah. That. You can't use that.
1: If it's an unbeliever, they're not going to understand it at all, right? If you fly off, what they're going to do?
0: Well, your anger onto somebody doesn't ever help anybody else out. I've never seen somebody make somebody else better
1: for Yeah, two people getting a divorce. Uh, what do they do? One goes after the other, the other one goes out, and it just keeps going. I've never seen where they were able to convince the other part. I don't think it happens.
0: It can't happen.
1: Yeah. Right, A- anger is the devil's going to get in on it. We've already been told that. Don't give place to the devil. Yeah,
2: James one nineteen. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow mm-hmm. to speak, slow okay. to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Wow. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive mm-hmm. with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls.
1: The implanted word. Oh, so go back to truth and apply that. You know what? James and Paul complement each other, don't they? Well, James was about works though, wasn't he? Now he says, here's how a Christian does, right? He works because here's what God has worked in him. Yeah, this is real stuff. I mean when Paul wrote to these Ephesians he knew they had a problem. Why why did he know that? Well, because they they were sinners. Yeah. They still sin. They it's all the flesh, but that is never an excuse. We can say, "Well, that's the way I was born. You know, that's where I came from. There, I came from. I came from that area, and that's just the way we. My family, um, the blood in them. That's the way. That, it's it's the Irishness in me." <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? So I think that it has,
0: sometimes it is some of the background because I know that when you've been pre-exposed to anger as a child, and that's how you think, that's how you play out those emotions. You do, like I said, if you come from a family that's calmer, and they can be angry, but they don't, it doesn't, it doesn't come out of cross. But then you come from a family that's a rougher family that's a rougher background, those anger issues, you, that's... that's it's it's multiplied.
1: multiplied, yeah, the same nature as anybody else, but it, that's, it that's m- might be multiplied. But is it ever an excuse right. for now one who has a new man? Right. Never. He can okay. never use that again. Okay. And they're going to probably respond sometimes the way that old man did. But what does Paul say? Put it off.
2: <laughs> Lay aside. It. Yeah, and it doesn't happen overnight either. I've talked to people who say, well, I used to hit people, and now I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Well, that's pretty <laughs> so mean, You know, I've made improvement. You know what I mean? I'm still not perfect, but, you know, I mean. I'm no. glad they're not hitting people. Well, that's what I mean. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man.
1: Time to close it. Watch this. Watch this. We're gonna we're gonna complete this out. You ready? All right. Do not, gr- you know what? We're not gonna do it. We're g- we're gonna stop right here. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay. <laughs> no. that's a
2: whole hour right there. That is it's
1: a long eight, nine, right there. So we'll stop there. We'll stop there. Well, he, he had uh, the way that it flows. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And I think that's all a part of the, where we're at, and especially verse twenty nine. Grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Remember that back in chapter 1? <laughs> and then he gives a whole list of sins. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking. We've seen all of those. Be put away, stripped off, ripped off. Take off the old man, right? With all malice, general sin, Evil. Be kind, and here's the positive again. Be kind to one another, tender, everybody knows about this. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. That's the way it really works. That's how come we can now say, do this, be good, quit this, and do this. It sounds like a lot of list of rules to do, but if we have already been qualified by why and how we can do it, Uh, Then we see that, oh, we have the power. I see the old power that I used to have, and boy, it sure wants to control, but I'm not supposed to let that run me anymore. And uh, as we think about that, we can be more like Christ. Well, all those religions out there would say that. Wouldn't they agree with that last verse we read? Matter of fact, most of this section, except for the... The reasons why. <laughs>